Good one, thank you, you guys. I want to tell two stories today of a man that goes away a, a long, a long way away, and then comes back. So one is the story of Jesus that Jesus told. It's the uh, parable of the talents, but the other one is a New Zealand story, and uh, it's it was about a man and. Uh, his wife, in particular, really wanted to go away on holiday because they'd been uh, they'd been locked down, just stayed at home for months and months and months, hadn't gone on holiday, and so the wife was just hassling him, saying, "Come on, let's let's get out of here, let's let's go somewhere, let's let's go on a holiday," but the trouble was is he had a special pet he was really fond of, that he was really worried about what would happen to his pet if he went away. In fact, it was a, a, a pet octopus. <coughs> and he kept it in uh, his spa pool. <laughs> he did. He kept his, his octopus in the spa pool. And, and he had a particular process of... Uh, looking after the octopus, of changing the water, because he had to change the water each day. So um, he 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 talked about it with a friend, and his friend said, "Look, you go away, go away two weeks, whatever. I'll look after the octopus. Tell me, show me how to look after. It. I'll do it. Trust me, I'll do it." And so uh, the man agreed. And he showed him, took him through uh, the training of how to look after his pet octopus. So what he, what he did each time was this. He had the octopus in the spa pool. He had talcum powder. He got the um, octopus out of the... Um, sorry, first thing. Got the uh, talcum powder, put it on the deck, got the octopus uh, out of the spa pool, put it on the deck on top of the talcum powder, got his bath cleaner... Uh, sorry, pulled out the plug, let the water drain out, got his cleaner, uh, Jif, cleaning the spa pool, plug back in, water in, picked up the octopus, put it back in the spa pool. So he, he trained his friend a couple of times, made sure he got it, and then and he said, right, and the last thing is, if anything, if you have any trouble, anything goes wrong, there is a spade in the shed. Then he went off on holiday. So he comes in the first day, a little bit nervous. Ah, right, right. Talcum powder, puts the talcum powder down, gets out the octopus onto the deck, pulls out the plug, water drains, uh, cleans the bath, plug back in, fills the bar, spa bath, gets the octopus back in the spa bath, nailed it. All good. Ne- uh, next day, same thing. Talcum right, uh, powder, octopus out, plug up, water drain, plug, uh, clean the bath, uh, plug in, water. Easy. And then he so he's getting in the flow now, day after day, easy, knows how to do it. And then one day, right near the end, 
Um, he's in a rush. And in fact, they're going, he's going shopping with his wife. And she's waiting, engines running, uh, horns beating, kids in the car, and he runs in, grabs the octopus, uh, puts it on the deck, puts it, oh no! Uh, he didn't talc, didn't put the talcum powder on the deck. And so he tries to, um, he's starting to get flustered, he tries to uh, get the octopus, and he, he's trying, he can't get the arms up, and, uh, and he's sweating, and uh, the, car, the, the car horn's beeping, and then he remembers, there's a spade in the shed. So he goes out, gets his spade, and then he tries to come right round the arms of the octopus. And he gets uh, four, five, six arms, and he can't quite get it and drops all the arms. And then he comes up the other way, round the other way, doesn't get it. And then he, he changes it over to the, um, the handle of the octopus. And still that doesn't work. And then he, um, he hides around the corner, comes running up and... Uh, uh, surprises the octopus and he's freaking out. He's, I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill his octopus. And just then, car pulls up, the owner returns. And he's, oh, thank goodness you're back. He says, oh, I just, sorry, I'm so sorry. I forgot the um, talcum powder. And he said, well, did you remember about the spade in the shed? He says, yeah, but it's not working for me. He said, what did you do? He said, you know, I came around underneath and came around the other way and I swapped. He says, nah, this is what you do. He grabbed the spade, banged it on the octopus. The octopus goes, Ugh! picks it up, puts it back in the pool. Right. <laughs> and now, now, the, now the other story uh, that Jesus told. But uh, actually, a lot, of a lot of parables are like jokes in that often they have one main point. Yeah. Um, today has three, by the way. But, uh, and for the segue, uh, let's pray. And then, yeah. And Lord, we, as we open up your word today, that you would uh, speak to us through your word, uh, the Holy Scripture, the anointed Scripture. Uh, for your glory. Amen. And so this is the parable of the tenants, of a man who went away and came back. Matthew 25, 14 to 30. Matthew 25, 14 to 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance, but from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, into that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is part of that block of teaching called the Olivet Discourse. So it's a teaching of Jesus, Matthew 24 and 25, uh, um, on the on the Mountain of Olives, just a few k away from the temple in Jerusalem. And it started by the disciples saying, Jesus, look at these stones, aren't they amazing? And Jesus said, not one stone will last on top of another. And then they go to um, down the Kidron Valley and up, and then Jesus continues to talk about the last days. What will the last days look like? And so uh, Matthew 24 it's, it's mostly, except for the last paragraph, about the what. What's going to happen in these last days? And it's, it's a combination of AD 70, where the, the Romans came and destroyed totally the, the temple, and also the last, last days, when it all finishes. And so there's these two things together. It's like a telescope. Sometimes on the beat, you know, you see someone uh, 20 metres away and someone... 200 meters away and you're not quite sure what it is so Jesus combines these two things and so mostly of 24 it's about the what what will happen in the last days but it's not really about the when in fact several times it says about the hour and the day we don't know it's not known I don't know Only the Father knows. And from the end of 24 and all of 25, it's about the so what. What does it mean? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for you? These last days. What do the followers of Jesus do in the interim, in the gap between Jesus being here on earth and when he finally comes back? What do we do? What does it mean? So what? The gap. 
And so Jesus tells uh, different stories to explain that. And this one here is a parable of the talents. Now a talent is actually a measure of weight. It was a, the biggest measure of weight they had in those days. And it is difficult in that it could even mean a, a large weight of gold or silver or copper. Uh, and it was huge actually. Even one talent would take a laborer, which the wage was one denarius a day. A talent was 6,000 denarius. So take a laborer 20 years to get just one denarius. So it's huge. As, a, as the master goes away on a long trip, he gives these different uh, amount of, of coins. Don't know if it's gold or silver or copper. Maybe it's uh, deliberately ambiguous, but huge. Even one, one talent was huge amount. And in those days as well, uh, really hard to plan your trip. Uh, and you didn't know exactly when you're coming back. <clears throat> so they didn't know. But he went away, he gave five talents to one, two talents to one, one talent to another. What do we do in the gap? What do we do between Jesus being here, going away, before he comes back, what do we do in the gap of time? There's one thing, and there's one thing we don't do. And today, I just want to talk about three itty words. Three itty words. And the first itty word is passivity. And that's not what we do. It's not passivity. It's not hanging around, looking up at the clouds, waiting for Jesus to come back. Not burying things in the ground. Not staying away from people, building a bunker in the backyard because it's the last days, and you know, just gotta, you know, like the crudes, never not be afraid. Some of you won't know that, but um, it's not passivity, not passivity, and that passivity of the third servant was driven by three things. First one was doubt. Doubting the goodness of God. Questions the character of God. The, the servant of one talent says, I knew you were a hard man. That's what the servant says. And C.S. Lewis wrote a book. No, wrote a... There was a number of um, articles and essays and it was uh, posthumously combined, to call, and it was called God in the Dock. It was one of the articles. And as it implies, it implies that God is the one on trial. C.S. Lewis um, studied the classics, and he saw this as a change in the 20th century. In the old days, uh, the immortal ones, the immortal gods... They were high and humanity was low and, and, and God or gods would judge humanity. But he says in 20th century, for some reason, we've flipped it and we have put God in the dock. And this is what the, ones, the servant of one talent does. He puts God in the dock and accuses him. You're a hard man. 
You're a hard God, verse 24. I knew you were a hard man. And he was afraid of the Lord. I knew you were a hard man. And often, often the opposite of faith is not unbelief. Often the opposite of faith is fear, shrinking back. Matthew 24, Peter walks on the water, and then it says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Luke 8, Jesus on the road, uh, a synagogue ruler comes up to Jesus. His name is Jairus. His daughter is, is deathly sick. And Jairus falls at the feet of Jesus. Uh, Jesus gets distracted by another need, another lady. And uh, deals with her, helps her. He turns around. But in the meantime, some people from Jairus's house have come and said, don't bother the rabbi anymore. She's passed away. And Jesus turns to Jairus and says, do not be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. Just believe. And is our passivity caused by fear and doubt in the character of God? Is God really good? Is he? Or do we doubt that? Is he hard? Tough? Do we doubt God? Do we doubt prayer? Do we doubt that our service is making any difference? That our prayers are making any difference? That our good works are making any difference? That our forgiveness of our enemies is making any difference? Or is God a hard man? And Jesus says, don't be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. Have faith in Jesus, in the goodness of God. Yes, he is also the governor of the universe. And he enacts justice and judgment. But if we love him, if we hold on to him, he will bless us. He will bless the work of your hands, the meditations of your heart and your worship. Don't be afraid. Only believe. <clears throat> Uh, let's just shut our eyes just there. You know, um, I, just, I just felt this. You know, so we, we struggle with different things. I think some of us are struggling with fear at the moment of what it's going to be like, what, it's, what it looks like, how's it going to pan out. And if you're struggling with fear, just put up your hand or put up your hands. I'm going to pray just some peace today. Pray uh, peace on your people today, Lord. Whatever that fear is, whatever that fear, family of, of family, of financial, of the future, whatever it is, I pray your peace upon your people today, Lord. In your mighty name, only believe. You cast out fear in the name of Jesus. Why passivities? Sometimes it's fear. But there's another reason, laziness. He just didn't want to do the mahi. He just wanted to dig a hole, put it in there, and then chitter-chatter about how hard his master was. Laziness. And thirdly, possibly, it was jealousy. You know, he gets less than the other two. 
They get five talents or two talents. He only gets one. But you know what? Comparison is a thief of joy. Use what you have now. Don't compare. Use what you got now. Doesn't matter if they're bigger than you, if they have more money than you, if their kitchen is better than your kitchen. Use what you have now to serve the Lord. And sometimes you hear things from people, you know, I could cook, I could, um, you know, I could be hospitable if I had a better kitchen or a better house, or, you know, I could serve the Lord if I had more time. Use the time you have now. Use what you've been given now to serve the Lord. <clears throat> you know, if I got time in the pulpit, I could preach. Well, you know what? You could preach now in room four. <laughs> yeah. If I, you know, <clears throat> if I had a better income, I could give to God. Use what you have now to give to God. I remember uh, talking to Pastor Abdullah in Burkina Faso, and I, I was, I was um, anxious really about. It was coming up. I was speaking about giving to people in the fifth poorest country in the world, and the one of the poorest tribes out of seventy. And uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not comfortable about this. And he says, "You need to teach the people to give to God." Because if they don't give when they're poor, they will not give when they're rich. Serve God now. Give to God now. Use the resources now. Even if you're a one talent, now. Don't wait. Use what you have been given now to build the kingdom of God. So uh, reactions. It's not passivity, that itty word. People say the last days teachings are scary, and it's true. It's true. But it's not, the, it's not those strange things that will happen in the heavens, not the stars falling and the moon funny color and, and that. It's not the wars and the rumors of wars. It's not, it's not the famines and the earthquakes. Uh, not in Revelation, the beasts, the dragons, uh, the numbers, the tattoo on the head. Uh, all that symbolism of revelation. Uh, you know, revelation was a, a book written to comfort Turkish Christians. And, and, and the Spirit saying to John, it's going to be all right. There's bad stuff happening. It's going to happen more. But Jesus will be victorious. That's how the story ends. And all that scary stuff, yeah. But I tell you what, this is scary here. This is scary here. Of last day's stuff, this is scary here. Because what does the master say to that servant that digs his talent into the soil and does nothing with it? He says, uh, you are wicked. You wicked, lazy servant. Taken to where they gnash their teeth and weep where there's great distress. You feel, that's scary. That's scary. Of anything of last day's teaching, that's the scary th things of people that know Jesus, that have been given stuff 
resources, abilities, talents, are whatever, and they do nothing with it. And Jesus says, put them out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Does that scare you? It should. Use what you have been given now to serve God, to build the kingdom of God. And as passivity describes you, repent. Turn from that. Turn from that, repent, and advance the kingdom of God. That's itty number one, passivity. Don't let that be you. Don't be wicked and lazy. The second itty is activity. Use what was given by the master to create more, to make a profit. In these last two chapters of 24-25, the first part of the teaching is what will happen, and then are parables, parables to, to say what it means. Matthew 24-42, the Son of Man will come like a thief in the night, unexpected. Uh, second one, Matthew um, 24-45, Jesus comes like a master back to his servants surprisingly early after a long trip, and he sees one of his, uh, his head servant actually just um, partying and, and, and pushing his weight around. And then the third story, uh, ten bridesmaids we had last week, um, ten of them, five had enough oil and five didn't. And then this fourth parable, and uh, it's different from the other three. The other three teach preparedness. And this goes further. It's not only Jesus expects people to be prepared, he expects profit. Not just prepared, but profit. What the master has given to gain more. To gain more. And interestingly, uh, the Jews were not supposed to charge interest to fellow Jews. They were allowed to charge uh, Gentiles. So, but um, you know, parables don't, are not mostly not trying to teach ethics, but they mostly have a, a point, and the, and there's details around it. It's not ethics, but um, teaching about the return of Jesus. So don't get hung up on the details. What he's saying is there is opportunities out there in these last days. There is. Keep our eyes open. Keep our spirits. Uh, open to what is available, how we can build the kingdom of God. And we can make excuses for our lack of activity at times. A servant who tries to hide his one talent, then blame the master. But actually the servant was trying to mask his lack of love for his master. I remember talking to a Bible in schools coordinator it was about 25 years ago, and I remember saying, oh, you know, it's pretty hard these days with how secular society is, and schools don't always allow a Bible in schools in. And he's, he said to me, oh, that's not my biggest problem. I've got schools, lots of schools I could place people in. I just don't have the Christian volunteers that, that want to do it. The delay of the return of Jesus is filled with the mission of the church. And uh, let's, let's not get caught up with the chitter-chatter on the beasts and the antichrist and the numbers and the codes and the dragons and the charts and the dates. 
but actually instead the delay of Jesus is filled with the mission of the church. What is that? Worship, evangelism, edification, bringing people into maturity, edification, service and koinonia. Shah doesn't like me saying this, if you want to remember, we's together, worship, evangelism, edification, service, koinonia. Not passivity, activity, last iti, festivity. Verse 21, come and share your master's joy. Verse 23, come and share your master's joy. The technical term for the return of Jesus is parousia. Parousia. In its Greek it means presence, but it's presence after an absence. And so this is about the parousia of Jesus. In uh, Te Reo Māori, it's uh, Te Hokinga Mai. Been away, come back. Joy comes back. Five talents, gains five more here. Come on, share my joy. Two talents even. Come on, share my joy. Return of Jesus comes with joy for those that love him and have served him, watched and prepared for him. You know, that's the real bucket list right there. There it is right there. And it's okay if you're not living your best life right now because joy is coming. If you love the Lord, if you're serving him, joy's coming. And don't be influenced by the social media influences that are trying to say that you're not living your best life. Well, joy's coming. Joy's coming. And uh, people in other parts of the world and other periods of time know that. You know, it's not, it's not all laughter now. It's not all fun now. But joy is coming. With Jesus, when he returns, don't fret. Don't fret. Later on, Jesus will return with joy. And on the other hand, one of the lies of the devil is that there is festivity in hell. No, that's not true. There's not festivity in hell. It's, it's distressful. It's lonely. It's dark. You know, I don't know if you've uh, had conversations or heard people that have had uh, death-to-life experiences. Those that have um, sensed the dark side say it's terrible. <laughs> it's lonely. It's dark. Ian McCormack, the jellyfish man, the surfer who, um, who died for a number of minutes and then came back. His mum had, had a revelation, was praying for him at that time came back, he said, oh, it was terrible, it was dark, couldn't even, couldn't tell anyone around, horrible, there's not festivity in hell, it's yuck, (laughs) festivity is not on the dark side, it's on the Lord's side, the light side, when the Lord returns after his absence. Our great friend and our brother, Jesus. That's when the party begins. Come into the house. The wedding feast is in process. Festivity. 
Amen. Let's pray. In fact, we're going to pray the sinner's prayer. And as I was saying last week, as we did last week, um, the expectation that people will come to faith. And people are all over the place all the time, and they might even come through us. And um, that chance to give the people that chance, if they haven't ever verbalized yes to Jesus, to give them that chance. So um, let's stand. Let's say that, this together, and if you've never really said it and meant it, or if you need to say it again, then say it again. Let's pray. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sin, and that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my saviour and follow him as Lord from this day forward. Guide my life, help me to do your will. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you.